or paralysis by analysis um, where you are so caught down in the data. And I think when companies do have strong KPIs that they are they work towards or they manage, like sometimes and have a lot of data coming into the business, like sometimes you can get too bogged down in that that you forget the process of what you're actually doing. Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive. We'll be interviewing business leaders, owners, experts and thought leaders in the field of business resilience. Do enjoy the episode. Welcome to Helping Organisations Thrive. Uh, Today I have Laura Siddle on again. Uh, Welcome to you again, Laura. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. No, it's good. Uh, I think we sort of we finished a conversation last time. At the end, our our debrief on our fair was all about how we can look at the whole aspects of the crossover between sport and business. And so we want to sort of tackle that a bit more. But I just sort of reintroduce you to the, the audience again. You are a professional triathlete. And uh, prior to that, you were an engineer, you've been in the British Army. And um, since you've been in the triathlon world or been professional, you've won five Ironman, cha- uh, Ironman distance, uh, Iron Distance Champions uh, and four World Champions as an amateur as well. So um, a uh, sort of um, prolific in what you're doing and you're now in the US doing some training really for the season to start in the next couple of weeks for you. Um, so we had this discussion about the whole sort of link between sport and business and there's a lot of conversations you know, I, I work with athletes myself as well as business, and there, there's lots of parallels there. Uh, interesting to understand because you've obviously done both, and you're in in sport right now. Uh, what are you seeing as the parallels from your own journey and from your own experience? Yeah, it's um, it's interesting doing sort of. I think starting in the corporate world and then moving to sport, and then there's things that. I see we do in sport that I'd be that I was thinking like oh if I'd realized that or done that when I was in the corporate world um I think you know, how much better it would be and when I was thinking about it I think like the the big thing for me that that sticks out and um still is something I personally struggle with and that's crossing over between the two now um is how important in life in general sleep and your recovery is so if you know as a professional athlete one of the one of the difficulties i had when i transitioned from you know working in the corporate world and training in every other hour i had available because that's what i, I love doing and i would sacrifice you know i would i would sacrifice sleep i'd get up in the morning i'd train i'd go to work i would maybe do something at lunchtime and then come home and train and then i'd open my laptop again and work and i would kind of then sort of survive on that you know four or five hours of of sleep um and and survive is what it is yeah you know I I used to think yeah I'm one of those people that um was lucky that didn't need that much sleep and then you know when you become a professional athlete sleep suddenly becomes part of your job which I have always struggled to get my head around um you know I think just from being so busy and, and packing everything in and you know, that's before you even add on, you know, family commitments and that sort of thing. Um, 
but I think what sport makes you realize is how important that rest and recovery aspect is of your life in order to perform and that's get the most out of your your body not just physically from the training but also mentally and mm. your you know so for example turning up at work and being able to mentally make the right decisions or um uh, emotionally whatever it is rationalize you know work on you know manage relationships manage conflict all that sort of thing is you will do that in a much better state if you are getting the right rest and recovery in order to perform at your best and i think mm. for athletes they you know they say sleep is that you know number one you know a lot of people say what's the number one recovery tool as an athlete or what's the number one performance enhancer and most of the time the answer is sleep and i think that's where it crosses over into business but people kind of don't really value that as a as a tool or as a as a priority in life because we just fill it with so many other things um as i said still not brilliant at it but i definitely realize like if i'm not getting enough rest and sleep in between sessions it's the physical side is hard and obviously you don't bounce back necessarily but it's the mental aspect and i think that's the that's the interesting thing that then transfers over into business it's that like i said mm. the ability to make decisions to to get things done to progress x y and z to have you know it's that sort of thing that i find like I, it's just like a brain fog or it's a lot harder than it should be or you're just not making rational rational decisions and in in business some people are making decisions in very key well some people in life threatening you know life or death situations <laughs> um where you hope they've had enough uh, enough sleep and recovery to process things properly um uh, and for you know business even you know but even business decisions where there's a lot of money on the end on the line sort of thing um i think that's one of the the biggest learnings i've then seen that would have been good to transfer for that mm. yeah i don't think a lot of um junior doctors have the greatest of sleep um no. which is a worry because they are putting <laughs> yeah. people's lives um yeah. i think it's, it's quite a, a challenge for them and you're right i think um being mentally but also physically uh, present um having good sleep uh, is is vital in in the big decisions we make in, in a business and, and I, I know it's just money and stuff but it's important to keep businesses sustainable and money is part of that uh, but also the decisions you make on people's lives in their career as well um and there's a lot of talk about sleep um being really important and i know people talk about the eight hours but i think there's more to it than just eight hours and yeah it's you said it's interesting how you've, you've obviously in the world of the corporate world, which you were then fueling your passion, which effectively meant you didn't have a lot of sleep because you're basically burning the candle at both ends. Um, and then you become a, an athlete, professional, and then you're told sleep's really important for your recovery. In fact, the number one way to recover is through sleep. And then you said you still struggle with it. What What is it that you struggle with if, if you see that as something? It'd be interesting to understand your mind around that because some other people might struggle with it as well and how how might they help or help you help you or help them to yeah. become a priority and, and to put a place of sleep as a, that priority to help that recovery for me i think it's um and probably for a lot of people it's the uh 
the years of growing when we grow, grew up and went through school and university and got the job was um it was about being busy and delivering and that sleep or rest and recovery it was not not seen as a a weakness as such that that's that would be the wrong way around but um i think just that element of talk around performance wasn't fully given credit it's a bit a bit like seeing a sports psychologist you know several years ago it was kind of quite taboo in terms of would a lot of people viewed it as oh there's something wrong with you whereas actually again that is another element of mm. how you improve your mental game and your performance and lots of people have um performance coaches mentors etc cetera, etc cetera, where you are working on that that element um so it was based around a guilt feeling for doing nothing um like a guilt for sitting on the sofa or for lying in bed in the middle of the day like I just couldn't and I still struggle kind of thing to to get my head around around doing that um I still am not very good at napping um because conversely I tend to fill my time with other things that I'm trying to do in Mm -hmm. parallel with the sport um and I think, again, it goes back to that just concept of always being busy, always mm-hmm. doing something, trying to add add value or, or feel valued. Um, and that's the thing I do. I am getting better at sort of, yeah, I'll still have the laptop open, but I'll try and sit on the sofa with my legs up sort of thing rather than um, sitting at a desk and things like that. But it was more, and initially when I transitioned into sport, it was kind of that, that especially when then you suddenly don't have an income so in sport um you know transitioning to a full-time professional not sure then when I'm going to get paid if I'm going to get paid it's very much related on my performance which is this is the sort of spiral but at the same time I felt guilty for sitting effectively what I felt doing nothing when I felt I should be looking at how I could earn that money or how I can do something to get that you know so it was it was that sort of feeling. And I think the perception and the conversations we've had we have around sleep now and and again sort of mentorship and sports psychology is getting a lot healthier and people are seeing the benefit of it um and how it transitions over. And it's so easy to get caught up with with doing stuff, isn't it? You know, whether you're in a yeah. job in the corporate world or you're an athlete, we feel we have to do stuff to get that performance. We have to have an action plan. We need to go about yeah. doing stuff and be busy. And people always say, yeah. what have you been doing this week? Oh, I've been very busy. I've done this and this. And it's fine. It's okay. We have to do things. I'm not just talking about sitting on the sofa and manifesting performance because, you know, I don't believe in that. Yeah. But there's something about, you know, we, we say we're human beings you know, let's be a bit more being as in doing yeah. it all the time. And actually there's some real value, isn't there? Not just in the sleep, but actually just resting your brain a little bit and I don't know, doing something more mindful yeah. just to get more yeah. in, the, in that present moment actually is, is quite powerful for, for mindset as well. The the other way I think about it often is um in sport we do a lot of interval training. And you know, by that I mean during say a running session for example you'll run at a certain pace and then you take however long 30 seconds or whatever or longer recovery and then you 
and that recovery allows you to then run again for that 30 seconds and then you recover and you go again and um that those interval sessions you know that, that recovery that you you build into that session helps you then perform in the next interval and hopefully perform better and you sort of building on that and i think mm. that's also how we work or should work potentially in in day-to-day yeah. life you know in small in small blocks so it's kind of like 30 40 50 minute blocks is how long we can kind of concentrate and work for mm. and then you need a five minute break where you need to get up stretch your legs go switch off your head come back and you'll actually find that you are then more focused again to to carry on mm. that task to carry on that job um your body's kind of had a had a break as well as your mind and so then you can focus again um, better for that like next next chunk, that next 50 minutes, whatever it is. Um, so I think it's things like that that we should and incorporate into our everyday life um, to allow us then to, uh, you know, a lot of people say, oh, you know, but you can't, you can't have so many breaks during a, a work day and people, are, yeah, people will see you going off and think you're not doing anything because that's that perception that we have to be doing. Mm. But actually for that time that you're then sitting down at your desk or you're in that meeting, you are so much more present and efficient at what you're doing and focused because you've, you're kind of walking, working in these small chunks of chunks of time. Mm. It's, it's like the, the story of the, 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 the wood chopper, isn't it? Who was, who sat down and rested and sharpened his, his axe and actually became yeah. more efficient and the person who kept going got very blunt yeah. and blunter. And yeah. that's, an element of, that's an element of developing skills, but it's also taking some time out to rest, refresh and get back in the focus again. And I think yeah. there's, you know, and it's probably, I think it's harder in the hybrid world when people are working from home a lot more, they tend to just sit at the laptop. They feel guilty to move anywhere, go off and do stuff. Actually getting up after 40, 50 minutes, I naturally do anyway, because I tend to get, so not bored but I, I like to be do something different naturally yeah. so, so i happen to walk around the house or go for a walk but you know going off putting some washing in or grabbing a snack or whatever it may be actually is really good for you and get you back in in focus again doesn't it and i think um that sort of cycle but in a work context it, it's a little bit more you get more interrupted i guess in, in the physical yeah. office so it sort of happens a little bit more naturally um but i say i say i think we need to sort of think and and it's it goes back to that we're not machines and we're actually, we need to have some time to rest, to recuperate, to make us more effective in what we do. Um, another thing I was thinking of, of the context of sport and because you're, you have a lot of, I would say, on your performance is obviously looked at constantly. And, yes. you know, you're looking at every <laughs> everything you do, every every rep, every interval, every run, it's all monitor. I mean, it's, when talk about being completely scrutinized, I don't know how, how your coach does that, but, and that almost plays into the whole feedback. Now I'm not saying we should be so analyzed ourselves. Yeah. What have you learned from the context of using feedback? If you were to go back in the corporate world now, based on how you get feedback and how you're monitored, how would that play out? Do you think for you as, as a real positive yeah, another another area that when I started as a professional and even before that I could see like the value. You you're right, as as athletes, we are constantly getting 
you know, almost instant feedback, like data. I have a watch on, it's measuring heart rate, it's measuring pace on the bike. I have, it's measuring power, speed, cadence, all that sort of thing, you know. Um, we've just been doing some testing of lactate levels as well during exercise. And then at the same time, you know, at a training session, often, you know, if the coach is there, she's eyes on and giving you, um, feedback during the session, encouragement or, or tips of like, you know, drop your shoulders, your shoulders are too tight when you're running or, or whatever it is. And you're constantly then able to adapt and make changes and then, um, what I also do at the end of the session, you know, having loaded up data or whatever into the the platform we use, Training Peaks, um, I always write a few comments of like how it went or what I thought, and uh, maybe it's equipment. And part of that is back for her, but part of that is for me just to sort of capture what it was and if I need to go back and look at it in in future years, it's there. And I think when you then go into the business world, and again, I, I appreciate it's not hugely practical because if you go perhaps to that level you sort of micro management maybe um but you know we used to have a annual review once a year and that would be the only time you would kind of really work out how you were doing or where you could improve and sometimes it was a buy at you know half yearly and then annual um and I just think there's value if and it's probably not through your direct line manager it might be a business mentor coach within the business that sits in a different area that you can have more regular conversations with about how do you improve? How do you get, I did this or I've got this situation coming up, not sure how to approach it or, and then after something. And if you look at, you know, at at the, um, after a race, we always sit down and review what went well, what didn't race. And if you look at most, high-performing teams, um, sports teams, but also maybe particularly the military, there's always an official debrief after mm. a event, an incident, whatever it is, and it's the learnings that are captured to move forward. And I think we that is so powerful if you are getting that mm. that feedback and it, the other important thing from that in a team environment, which um, it, it is is the same as sport, is like having everyone who's involved in that team has the opportunity and the ability and the confidence to have their view considered. So, you know, we'll sit down and my view on how things went is equally important as my coach's view on how things went. And that's the same sort of in every member of the team should feel they can contribute to what went well and what didn't go well and what can be improved at every Mm. circumstance. So yeah, I don't think it's hard, you know, you don't get that level of feedback in the corporate world necessarily, but you are able to, even at the end of the day, just sit down and be like, okay, actually that conversation I had with so-and-so was, I didn't handle it very well at all. What can I do better tomorrow? Mm. Um, Or do I need to speak to someone to help with that? Um, it's having those sort of micro review sessions, I think would, uh, and maybe people do it, but would be beneficial and then more regularly structured in terms of with your line manager or your, you know, your boss or whoever it is from, from that respect, mm. I think more regularly. Cause if you, if you're waiting to six months and the end of the year, like 
it's a long time between those conversations to then one think of those incidents that they may refer to but also mm-hmm. yeah you've not had that opportunity to make a difference and change and improve and and therefore be better for the team and what the the business is trying to do and and how do you I mean, obviously, we alluded to the fact that you know, it's not to micromanage people, but to have some sort of ongoing sort of feedback. How does it feel from your perspective right now, where you're you are monitored in the way you are, and it's quite full on? And what are the dangers of sort of, I guess, overly doing feedback and analysis of somebody's performance yeah. in that sense? I mean, there's it can yeah. go the other way, can't it as well? Yeah, um, especially like myself as a with an engineering brain as such, or a, or maybe you just say it's because because I'm a grew up as a as a warrior, um, and you can kind of get analysis by or paralysis by analysis, um, where you are so caught down in the data, and I think when companies do have strong KPIs that they are they work towards or they manage like sometimes and have a lot of data coming into the business like sometimes you can get too bogged down in that that you forget the process of what you're actually doing and actually if you you focus on the process of of the doing and doing it well the data falls out at the end anyway um Mm. i i think you know, as athletes, sometimes yes, we've got all these numbers coming at us as we're running and riding and and swimming to some extent. Um, and sometimes you can get too caught up in. Or sometimes they can be shackles, I would say, and you become restricted and you almost become controlled by the data. Whereas if you switch it off and just go with feel, with flow, with with being mm. in tune with your body, you can have that next level of performance. And so I think um it's getting that balance between using the data in the right way but not getting shackled by it and still allowing people to have that freedom that flow that their own decision making their own perceived effort on on what um what they're doing if that makes sense yeah it's almost creating a almost boundaries of of behavior i guess or or, or boundaries yeah. of kpi and then how you go about it having that sort of bit more freedom and yours is probably a little bit more restricted because of the nature of what you do but having that sort of freedom to be empowered of how you get to that kpi is as long as you get there with the resources and everything else that you've been given yeah. isn't I, it I, yeah i think know. it's using the using the data as guidance so and yeah. it's using a K, it's using a KPI as guidance. It's like, um, you know, and, and again, you're much more qualified than me to say this, but you, you know, having a sales company with a sales target, well, surely the target should be to sell as much as you physically can in that year, sort of thing. And yes, but yes, a KPI is a good guide to get there, but it shouldn't be your limiting factor of what's stopping you once you've achieved that you should be like well to be the best salesperson i can be for me for this business for this company i want to just sell the be- the most i can and yes there's a company target that we have and i understand why we need to have those but it shouldn't that shouldn't be your limiting factor of what you can then achieve no. you should be trying to sort of move on and that's a, 
a little bit the same. Like we should use though, you know, we use those numbers in training as guidance. And sometimes mm. depending on the session, yeah, we sort of stick to them. But other times if we're feeling really good, it's kind of like, don't let that be the limiter, you know? And that, that's almost mm. like when you go to the race, you got to use them as guidance, but you also have to be flexible to race dynamics of what's happening. Who's, who's riding up the road. Like, do you need to be with them? And that you might have to throw things out the window a little bit. Um, mm. or you just might, you know, might be on a really good day and you have to, yeah, ignore the numbers because you've just, you know, or, or conversely, like it might be a bad day and you're not nowhere near the numbers sort of thing. And that you've <laughs> got to be able to manage, manage that as well. So I think that's where it's sort of, yeah, using that, um, almost if you break it down into what your job and task is in order to perform in your, in your, in your day business and your, whatever it is for the objectives of the company, what is my process and how can I do that to the very best of my ability? And yes, I've got some numbers and data coming in, which are going to help guide me, but ultimately it's that performance aspect, uh, process aspect of just delivering the process to the best of best of your ability. Yeah. And I, and I think interesting to talk about sales targets and how people can either, yeah, they're, they're not, they're almost, they can be, they can smash it if they feel, but also be mindful of, of behaviors as well. Cause there's, yeah. you can hit a target in a, in a, in a good way and you can hit a target in a bad way, if you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah. Um, how would that relate in your world of behavior? Cause, cause you could probably, you know, win races, but how you went about it or the perhaps the training or the the nutrition plan was not sustainable, for example, for, mm. for you know, longevity. There's I think we've got to be careful about our behaviors as well, because it's not just about delivering stuff, is it? It's how we go about it. And that's important as well. If you sort of tread on people with nothing else, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, that's right. I mean it's all a lot of it's about being sustainable, isn't it? And being able to manage your performance over time and mm. for that longevity you know it's if i go back to that sleep aspect and when i was working and like i thought i could survive on you know i thought i was lucky and didn't need much sleep and i could survive on four hours a night or whatever but that's exactly what i was doing i was surviving and i wasn't really achieving in either work or sports i was getting it done and i was getting it done to an okay level but it wasn't yeah it wasn't thriving as such um and I think there's, again, I think actually, you know, nutrition is an area that people just associate with sport. Um, and I think actually is a huge performance, again, a performance benefit enhancer in the workplace because, you know, you, you, the analogy, you know, the Formula One drivers, they don't, they're not putting crappy, crappy fuel into their car to make it go around the racetrack. And as an athlete, I'm not putting, um, you know, I'm trying to put good quality nutrients and stuff in my body to be able to form and that's partly you know mentally and physically and I think people if they and I'm not saying with this like you definitely don't need again it's like it's not about being a monk it's not about being so restrictive with your diet like you know we we have life we have to live and enjoy it to some extent but I think that everything in moderation and actually food and nutrition has yeah. such an impact on our performance and so in a, a day-to-day job environment as well actually which is not probably really seen yet in terms of giving your body the right fuel and nutrition to again perform mm. at your desk but and that's and doing that will 
allow you to have that sustainability and longevity rather than, you know, getting away with it for a day or two days or a week or whatever. And then you sort of fall down that hole of, of things. Um, it's how you, you can back up every day with those same performances or, and, or getting, getting better. Mm. It's interesting how, when we look at sports and we look at how we just talked about some real holistic stuff here, we talked about, you know, mindset, we talked about nutrition and, and sleep. And, and we, we put sport on a pinnacle of, we want to mirror that because you see it as high performance and winning and all that stuff, but actually the winning bit is the small part of it. Actually, it's all the other stuff before it. And actually that's the bits. And that's what we're saying here. And, and I know more and more workplaces have come a lot more holistic in yeah. looking after their staff, making them feel a bit more, you know, take some breaks, mindfulness and you know, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm not just talking, you know, free fruit Fridays, all that sort of stuff, but actually thinking holistically about that. One thing you touched on about when you said you were in a potentially in a race and having this sort of freedom to be almost adaptable to sort of change the sort of game plan, which to me sort of ties in with elements of resilience because with resilience, you've got to be quite adaptable and be creative. Um, how have you found that in your context of what you're doing now and, and thinking back to when you were in the corporate world, what sort of lessons you learned about resilience in your sport that you perhaps wish you had, or if you were to relate that to the, to the corporate world now? Yeah, I think um, it resilience is, it's hard to kind of describe it or to help people like learn how you, how to be resilient. I think you just sort of, adapt to circumstances and I was trying to think on this one like relating it across I think in sports it is such a one I get it it's not like if all the athletes disappeared tomorrow the world is still going to carry on kind of thing you know it's lucky that we get to do what what we do I'm very fortunate about that but at the same time in sport there's only really ever one winner the person who crosses the line first or the team that wins so more often than not, you are getting knocked back in terms of if you look at it as a result on paper. Um, and in the corporate world, that's not, depending on your job, obviously, that's not necessarily the case. Like I could turn up for work and have a really shitty day and not be great at my job, but I'm still going to get a paycheck at the end of the a month relatively. Obviously, if you're really crap, you probably might be exiting the company in a, in a nice way maybe but um on the whole like those ups and downs in the corporate world are kind of managed out whereas in sport like if you don't perform you don't get paid sort of thing and so then it's being very resilient and to that those highs and lows and being able to manage the the downs when things aren't working out to be able to then turn things around and part of that I think and this is a concept I was thinking about is like is and also it goes back to what your definition of what is successful for you what does success mean but it's working out also what motivates you and what motivates your team to perform and therefore be resilient when things don't don't plan like is it and then this is something, again, I, I think some companies probably do, but, you know, I I didn't 
choose to be a professional athlete for the money, yes, ultimately I need to make it a sustainable living and I need to work out how I'm going to finance it and how I'm going to win races and and that sort of thing to to earn money because we all need money to to live on as such. But the motivator was to be to see how good I could be. And I think when you flip that back to the and so that's what keeps me going through the the highs and the lows of being resilient. It's like again, like, okay, that race didn't go well or I'm injured and what's what is the process? How do I get better out of this? How do I step back up? Um and I think then like that crossing over to the workplace is understanding what it is that makes your team members tick and motivated. Like, are they, are they driven by salary or are they actually driven by an extra half day off or an extra few days holiday? Or would they just prefer, you know, something else that, that keeps them going and can you adapt the way you operate as a team to, create again i'm sort of shifting it create that drive that motivation but also i think that helps build in then the resilience because people um know where they're trying to get to and and why um if that if that again kind of it's a bit cryptic but i think but yeah and when when you faced I don't know, an expect, you had an expectation for a race and then you didn't achieve your expectation when you get that sort of blow and yeah. challenge or difficulty. How have you worked that through? But also, have you worked that through with your team? Because you've got a team around you that sort of works on this. It's not just yourself. How has yeah. that process worked? And and how do you pick yourself up when it's when it's pretty mentally exhausting and you know can be devastating in this in the yeah. context of what you're doing i appreciate it's not not saving lives i know that but i, I don't want to yeah. belittle what you're doing it's still great what you're doing how do you pick yourself up because sometimes it's not it's not easy is it so i think yeah i think when you have a setback be it a race that doesn't go as well or, or whatever it is um i think there's a few elements that that need to go to it you have to get time is an element like you have to give yourself time and and often it's kind of and and depending how big or what the incident is i often kind of go right you've got 48 hours to be grumpy to be shit to be mauled over to feel sorry for yourself kind of thing and then you need to move on and you need to assess what went wrong what went well and turn that um yeah turn that sort of feeling sorry for yourself into motivation to be better next time and that's where the team is really important is like you can have that 24 48 hours of your own you do need to process it you do need to get through emotionally like how it is making you feel and that is okay um you know try and take yourself away perhaps so you're not necessarily making irrational comments or that inner those inner feelings is being you know put out onto someone else um and then sit down like we do i guess we do probably separate process i'll probably go through it on my own in terms of this went well this didn't go well this is how i was feeling etc etc and then i will sit with my coach and we'll have that kind of conversation as well and then it's kind of like okay so this is what we learned or this is what happened what are we going to do differently next time or what can we do differently? Um, mm-hmm. Often if it's a, 
if it's a race specifically, I'll kind of use the time when I leave that location and I'm getting on a flight to go home or to the next place as that kind of like, okay, that's my, that's my cutoff as I get on that plane or as I get it back in the car, I leave all of that behind and I'm just looking forward. Um, mm. you know, the same, almost the same in a race. Uh, my old for one of my earlier coaches used to say, you know, anything that's behind your ears has gone and like is, is now not, not relevant as such. It's all about being present and looking forward. Um, mm. obviously there's an element that you then have to do go back to what's behind you is to just again, learn from it. Yeah. Um, but I think it's that, yeah, it's that review process. And so again, in, in business, in life situations, it is giving yourself, if something hasn't gone well, if that's, if that's at home with family or if it is in the corporate space, it's giving yourself that time to process it, to be emotional, mm. to, to be angry, to whatever it is. Um, and that's okay. But then having that clarity to, uh, with, and that's where the team can help to sit down and be like, okay, let's, let's go through it rationally. And then the important thing is like, okay, what are the, what are the things we're going to do differently? Or what are those key learnings that we're going to change going or work on hard, you know, work mm. on more to going forward. I really like the idea of having that almost 48 hours. I can just be a yeah. bit blur, feel sorry of myself, shout a bit. Shout just, a bit, throw things at the wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that's a really yeah. good, because I think often we feel we have to have, get all together straight away and, and deal with it and move on. And But actually, no, just 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 dwell a bit. It's okay. And it's yeah. good. I think it's good to get those frustrations out. And and then also, and it's important also, as you mentioned, is that, that learning piece, because I think it often – Certainly in businesses, we move forward quite quickly. We are on to the next thing now. Let's actually, what did we learn from that failure? What did we work with that, that didn't go quite well, that setback? And that's what we use to navigate for the next thing. And I think that's that, that stopping and reflecting and and just just healthily sort of critiquing it in a way that's not 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 sort of damaging the, but helpful for you. The other thing that's important there is to do this not just when something goes wrong or when something mm. isn't at its best but to also do it when you've had success and you've had a great win at work with your team. It's like, yeah, again, go and go away and celebrate for 24 hours or have that euphoria, but then let's come down and actually go, okay, what is it that worked really well that we can mm. replicate going forward? Yeah. I think that's really key. We tend to always be, um, again, like you said, you're already on to the next thing and we very often in, in sport as well as business, you don't celebrate the successes either. And I think that's really valuable, again, in building that resilience up to go, actually, we can get there and this is what it feels like and let's mm. remember what that feels like. But what is it that we did that made us successful in that moment? Mm. And what is it that we can learn, share from that, as well as mm. not just when things don't go don't go to plan? Mm. And what I've learned with talking to you and, and other sort of sports people that the debrief is, is, is a thing that just happens within the sports world. It's, it's just a, just seems to be quite ingrained in debriefing after a race might not be straight away. It might be 24 hours, 48 hours. Um, and often in businesses, you know, I've been in business where we've done that, but in business where we haven't, we've literally just moved on to the next thing. Yeah. Um, what other sort of parallels have you found uh, just before we finish in terms of um, your world in sport and also in the context of, of that would be beneficial in the world of the corporate? Um, I think 
I, I, I'm going to broadly sweep the army into sport because I guess it's a more physical, um, but it is high-performing team. I think there were some lessons that I've learned in um, when I'd spent my gap year in the army that I would then transfer as perhaps a coach in sport to athletes and then I think is transferable back into the business and around leadership in terms of don't ask someone to do something that you're not prepared to do yourself. Mm. Like every member of the team is and, and valuing every member of the team, like regardless of their, their role. Um, you know, yes, in sport for me, I'm the athlete, I'm the one on the start line, on the finish line, hopefully on the podium kind of thing. But there is a whole team that goes behind that. And every one of those people is, is valuable. And I need to make sure they are, aware of that valuable uh, of mm. that value um and that's also through like all working you've all got that co- you know is does everyone know the common goal does everyone know how their their day-to-day job fits into making the team successful and however small that job that they do is seen to be done it is valuable to the overall end result of the team Mm. you know um in the corporate space or whatever like do you value the team that come in at the end of the day or the weekend and clean your offices because they're making that environment like their job is just as important as the cfo the c the ceo in terms of that overall goal or it should be seen as just important mm. because they're making your the environment great for you to work in. And can you imagine coming into work and it looks a mess and, you know, that's not a, a good atmosphere either. And that's the stand that, you know, that's the standards that you're setting people and the culture that you're creating. So, yeah, I think it's about not valuing every member of your team, making sure they know they're valued, making sure that they, know how they contribute to the overall goal which hopefully is is clear for everybody um and then also like not not being or being prepared if you ask somebody to do a job that you are prepared to do that yourself if it hmm. if need be so that there is that level of respect and getting your hands dirty as well with with everyone else so i think those those lessons from Again, sport plus military, I would take back into a corporate environment um, if and when that that time was right kind of thing. Yeah, they're, they're really valuable uh, insights, actually. Uh, I think particularly the, the, the overarching common goal, purpose, vision, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I remember the, the, the story of as it, NASA had, you know, that their mission was to, to put a, a man on the moon by the end of the decade. Everybody knew that. Um, whether you were the the cleaner in the yeah. control room, the astronauts, you know, everybody knew that. It was communicated. Every play, everybody played a part to that. And it's getting as simple and clear as that that everybody can tie into that. This job I do is, will help us get closer to that bigger purpose that we're trying to do as a business. I think it's really understanding that. Um, just as we finish, Laura, and I do appreciate your time. Um, what's I guess 
going to your races this year just as a what what are you excited for as a race uh, that you're doing this year and and then just and then and then let, let us know how we can connect with you or get in touch with you as well please thank you yeah oh well thank you for that as well um so i as you said at the beginning i'm sort of based in boulder in colorado a bit a little bit this more and that again is to a decision i made to help my performance by being my coach lives here and so to be able to have more regular interaction on a a face-to-face and daily basis with my coach and also being in a a team environment where I'm training with my my squad members um and then so that's kind of meant that uh quite some of my race is a bit more sort of got a south it seems to be a south american focus for the year for some reason but yeah I start in a a race in in Chile in a couple of weeks and then and then Brazil um and then um and it quite an exciting race at the end of the year I think hopefully um so yeah that's I can I guess what I'm excited about is doing some slightly different races for me I'll um I always do challenge Roth every year which is in Germany and that's a, a favorite race so that and it has a ridiculously good start list this year um so that's kind of exciting to competitive i guess is that what you're saying yes yeah yeah (laughs) a lot lot of the a lot of the top women are going are going to roth this year um which which is exciting because it makes it you know it should be a fantastic race and it's a race that I, i think it's one of the best races in the world um and it's fantastic to see that race with the caliber of athletes going to it and then the other thing I, I'm excited for is um, the World Championships in in Hawaii in October. Um, for this year, it's very different. Um, we normally the it's been in Hawaii every for however many years um, in October. Uh, last year, for the first year, we had separate days. So the women raced on Thursday and the men raced on Saturday, which was. Um, controversial for many people, controversial for the island. It put a lot of strain on on the locals, unfortunately. But from a female aspect and a female athlete aspect, it was fantastic that we had our own day of racing. Um, and then this year, again, there's some controversy around it. Uh, they've actually split locations. So the men are racing in in Nice and their world championships is in Nice and we are in and the women are in Kona. Um, and then it will, and then it will flip the next year. But what I'm excited about of that is just again the women getting their own day of racing and um, their own opportunity to showcase what female triathlon and what the female race is about and how our race develops and and stuff like that because often it gets d- disappeared or shadowed by um the men's race being on the same day and our race gets impacted by that so yeah i think that's where i'm kind of excited about about those events going forward fantastic i like a little bit of controversy and um yeah. <laughs> that's helping put women yeah. in in the in the forefront a lot more in sport yeah. which is br- brilliant actually it's really good i don't yeah. know it's, it's come a long way but it there's still some way to go uh really appreciate your time today laura thank you very much no worries thank you Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. If you do like this episode, then please do rate, review and share with your friends and colleagues. As a coaching practice, we coach high performing leaders and teams with extreme ambitions. We'll help you to go beyond what you believe is possible. 
If this sounds like you, then let's have a conversation with me. Contact me at julianrobertsconsulting.com.